0: You're listening to The Essentials. The Essentials is a developmental podcast of the Eastern PA District of the Alliance. We develop kingdom workers for increasing gospel impact. With The Essentials, we invite you to be part of a conversation that asks the core question, what is essential in church ministry? Here's your host, David Dixon, with Nate Howard and Alan Rathbun. Welcome to the Essentials Podcast. We're glad to have you back for our third episode as Nate Allen and I look forward to continuing this conversation with you about what is essential in church ministry again our hope for this is that it'd be a conversation that you would enter into with us that as you hear these things that that you would wrestle with the things that we're saying not that you would necessarily agree with all that we're saying but that you would have these conversations uh, with you, with your teams uh, with with us uh, with those around you and that this kind of these kinds of conversations would be things that take place across our district. if you were here with us in our last episode we talked through uh, what we believe the essential engine of church ministry is how substitute ends have hurt the church, and what could be different with the right end in mind. And if you were there, you heard how uh, we kind of landed on this for our working definition that the essential end of church ministry is whole heart transformation, being with treasuring, and becoming like Jesus through mission and trial. And so uh, we're not going to unpack that again, but if you'd like to hear that, uh, please go back uh, and do that so you can hear it unpack completely. But today we want to continue to talk about that essential end and get into how central the gospel is to wholehearted transformation. So let's kick off the conversation with just some obvious questions. In that, what do we mean by the gospel? How is the gospel central to that
1: end? Well, I think it's important for us to realize it's bigger than we typically think it is. <laughs> you know, oftentimes we're thinking of the gospel as, you know, our, the promise that we have our sins forgiven and that we get to have heaven, eternal life, when we die. Uh, but the gospel is an all of life thing, not just a part of life and afterlife thing. Uh, For us, as we're talking about it here, we start thinking of the gospel as the collection of promises about who Jesus is and what he has done for us.
2: Yeah, and then the way that that impacts every single area of our life. So it's beautiful that who Jesus is and what he has done takes the wrath of God away from us. Amen. There's a, this, yeah, praise God this, for that. a beautiful <laughs> transaction where we are no longer under the wrath of God amen. and we don't live the consequences of that in fear of punishment or in fear of an eternal uh, eternity separated from him. And all that is amen, amen, amen. It's just, that's not it. Nope. There's just so much more yep. to the gospel. And there's a way that we can live, not just in that fear of death area of our life, that little section of the pie of our life, but the entire the yeah. entirety of the pie of our life can be lived in response to the gospel.
0: Well, that's where, you know, to use alliance language... We don't have a one-fold gospel. We have a four-fold gospel. Yes, we do. Where Jesus is our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. We don't just emphasize one. It's all four.
2: Yeah, so everything for rescue, for protection, for deliverance. Everything for life transformation and sanctification. Everything related to healing. Everything related to hope. All of that is wrapped up in the gospel. And I, I, I think the Alliance gets that right. What I would love is that we get it deeper and yes. that it grows more and more in our lives. I agree. I
1: think too often we end up focusing on the rescue part of the gospel and forget that even that word salvation is, often has two meanings in scripture. It's both rescue and restoration to wholeness again. And that's what we're talking about. Those gospel promises restore us to the glory of God, which we have fallen short of, but now can be restored to through Jesus.
0: And that gets back to our essential. end. if the end is wholehearted transformation through Christ, uh, that we get to, we begin to see how the gospel is central to that. So, but let's let's go a little bit deeper into that.
2: So, I think the key word that we have to have very clear in our head is that. Um, Uh, For Wholehearted Transformation, what's happening is that we are responding in a particular area of our life to the gospel, so the the line that we've used is that what when what's big to Jesus becomes big to us. There's there's that heart transformation. I've, there's just been response to the reality of who Jesus is and what He's in, and that changes me in the areas of life uh, that I think about the most. So it's all around that word, responding to something. And I, I think that what we have to keep in mind is that every human on planet Earth is living their life currently. In response to something that they believe will work for them, Mm, everybody has some savior, everybody has some method, everybody has some hope. That that if they live their life according to something or in response to something, that is going to make their life work for them. So they're all living in response to something. So so a student may say, um, if I get the education, if I get entrance into that college, if I get that degree, it's going to make life work for me. In right. that sense, they're living in response to the hope that education will bring them, yeah. and that's really big to yeah. them, and it's shaping it's shaping how many hours they study it shapes their worry life like what they're anxious about it shapes um like the up and the up and down of their heart will go with their grades they're having a great day because their grades are good they're having Mm -hmm. a bad day because their grades Mm -hmm. are down they're living continually according to some small g gospel that Mm -hmm. they think is going to save them and what we're saying is, no, you don't have to live your life that way. Right.
0: So that response then becomes when either I recognize the failure of what I'm living and responding to now, and I, or I see that the truth of the gospel is revealed and I have a response to make.
2: That's right. Am yeah, I, I
0: going to continue or am I going to continue to pursue the one that I am holding on to? Or am I going to respond with, with a gospel-based response of asking
1: the Lord to shift my belief and faith? Yeah, him. and I think that's part of the struggle is that we tend to think of the gospel as something we have believed in the past and now have because we've believed in the past we've received something. But Jesus and the apostles call us to not only believe the gospel but to keep on believing the gospel, right? Uh the apostle John said that he wrote his gospel so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. It's it's a continuing believing. Or like Paul said, that just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Or, or like Peter said, like we are receiving the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. We are receiving it as we continue to respond to the gospel in Jesus.
2: So what we're saying is that the wholehearted transformation of being with treasuring and becoming like Jesus central to that is a life lived in response to the gospel, a, a yes. life lived in response to the collective promises of God in who Jesus is and what he has done on our behalf. And that that's not just something that happens for one little segment of the pie of our life, but for every area of our life and required yes. in that will be a repentance like yeah. a recognition a growing in wow i have lived my life in response to the wrong thing it's right. it's a it's not a savior that delivers for me
0: and that's where the mission and trial piece of our Ooh. definition comes in because that's mm-hmm. where yep. often and most of the time it's either through mission with christ or through trial, where we're realizing that the thing that we're living our life in response to doesn't work or doesn't provide the hope that we thought it was going to, we're brought to a crisis where we have to examine what are we living in response to.
2: And I think what's really key in this whole thing is, um, you know, I don't know how as as people are listening to us I don't know how much they think about the gospel for all of life but we typically tend to think that the gospel is primarily for outsiders like the, the yes, gospel is for do. people outside the church so we don't typically have a lot of gospel conversations within the church mm-hmm. and we don't often recognize that in the same way that I illustrated with that student that he has the rise and the fall of his life based on the gospel that he's believing or the you know, the small g gospel that he's believing, that education is going to be his savior or or his justifier. Well, the truth is that in pastoral ministry, we have the same rise and fall. In our own heart, Mm -hmm. based on things that are very, very superficial, have nothing to do with the gospel. I mean, I told the story at the first district conference that I was in, and I always find it hilarious that I found myself every Monday morning in the same place when I was a pastor, uh, especially back in the day where um, they would record the sermons and then people could sign up for the sermon by leaving this little slip of paper in a basket. So every every Monday morning I would go to that basket and if anybody would like like look at me they say what are you doing and I was justifying myself mm.
1: yeah We all do that kind of stuff, though.
2: Yeah, and if I had three, like three slips of paper, looking for a sermon, I felt bad. I mean, my my emotions (laughs) were low. And when it was twenty five, I was like, "Kaching!" You know, like these these people love me. Wait, wait, that's now that's that's identifying my. That's that's a, that's a statement of identity. Mm-hmm. I'm loved because of some stupid piece of paper. Mm-hmm. But but we all have those ways of doing that. But the truth is we never talk about it. Yeah. But wholehearted transformation always will be because I'm recognizing what am I in response to? What am I centering my life on that's giving me a sense of of value safety security like is my job secure because there's pieces of paper in that basket or is my job secure because i have a savior who actually takes yeah. care of me yeah so but-
0: unpack that a little bit more of like around the idea of if you know just to use your example of those pieces of paper if going to those piece of paper you're saying what's big to me is that people put these papers in there exactly. that they like my yeah. message day, right. I love yeah i like that um and to shift towards a gospel-based response. What's what's required to go from here to there, you know, from from what, that being big to me to being what's big to Jesus?
2: Well, I, I think that at least in my life, um, Jesus has a really good way of showing me that false saviors don't deliver. Mm-hmm. And that when I live my life ordered by something that is false, it's a, it's a gospel, it's a small G gospel that just will not deliver for me. Um, he, he lets me live the futility of that, where I begin to question, is this really what I want my life to be about? In the moment when I start to question what I have been in response to my heart gets, my heart gets wide open to the promises of God in Christ and who he is, what he's done on my behalf That when I get kind of the aha moment, like, wow, that is, that's true. I can discard a false savior and I can base a true Mm -hmm. one. And as true as that was, when I first received Christ as my savior, because I was concerned about hell, that same gospel can work. In my ministry, in the way I view myself, it can work in my in in the sense of my security. Am I okay? It can work when people disagree with me, when people argue with me. <laughs> it can give me something that is really solid that I can live my life by. And what I'm experiencing is wholehearted translate transformation, being with discovering who Jesus is and becoming like Him so that His values become mine. I'm I'm like experiencing the essential end
1: yeah, so, so a gospel based response then is trusting that everything that has every promise is being about who Jesus is and what he has done is true and actually living like that's true. And so sometimes that requires us requires us to consider where am I not trusting those promises? You know, so, And I think that's where we touch back to like what Martin Luther's first thesis of the 95 was when our Lord Jesus Christ called us to repentance, he meant that our whole life would be repentance. So sometimes we have to say, oh, repentance isn't something I did once, but it's like, where am I not believing the gospel now and Because that's producing not wholehearted transformation, but it's producing dependence in something that is going to let me down Right. <laughs> in reality. Um, I'm and looking that word dependence
2: else. is the word we're using for response. I'm living yes. in response yes. to that. I'm depending yes. on that. So really, it's a present tense gospel, Yes. not a past like tense that. gospel. Absolutely. And it's a present tense um, uh, repentance. Yes, It's an it ongoing. Is. Right. Repentance, yeah,
1: and that's not—we're not trying to say that we have to get saved over and over again. That's not the point, you know. We—the promises of the gospel is that we've been adopted as children. It's not like you lose your salvation. We're not saying that at all. We're not saying that at all. What we're saying is there's a sense of which we have to keep on responding to the promises because sometimes we effectively don't act like we believe them.
2: And isn't that like one of your favorite verses, I know, second Peter one, um, but he's given us everything, everything. we need for life, yep. not just for, uh, one transactional moment, but for all of life all and of for life. all of godliness yep. to, that his glory would be like restored in our life. Yes. Godliness yep. would happen yep. as we live by the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. yeah
0: It's, such a, to ha- it's that chills, such a beautiful, that response is such a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Jesus is doing in us. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what are the, like the barriers to that. What are the the hurdles? What are the the things that stop us from having a gospel based response?
2: Well, I, I think that um, one of them is is uh, if I can use the term uh, a truncated gospel, mm-hmm. like a gospel that is just too small. Like if we if we don't if if we think like it says in Galatians that we begin our our experience with Christ by faith in the gospel. But then we leave that to do it more based on our works, like like just keeping the list of the right thing to do, and we like we talked in the last podcast that everything becomes kind of like externalized and and more like visible, and we're not talking about really what is functionally ruling in our life that I'm living in response to. If I don't if I don't even think of the gospel in those terms, it's it's really going to be very unlikely that the gospel is going to be transforming me. So some kind of uh, view of the gospel that's too small is going to keep us from growing in this.
0: Mm. Yeah, Yeah. And I mean, even in that, I think of like the, maybe what's even underneath that is a belief that the gospel isn't powerful enough to do that transformation. I was actually listening uh, to a story the other day about a men's group that was getting together uh, to study the scriptures, talk about great things like fatherhood, uh, being a husband, those kinds of things. And this pastor who was sharing the story says he sat in uh, this meeting and realized about three quarters of the way through that they've been talking about all these wonderful biblical ideas of what it means to be a dad and and father and that Jesus was only mentioned like once or twice in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so with a small gospel, we turn to doing, we turn towards sanctification by our own works, knowing, oh yeah, we're supposed to be those things, uh, but we don't lean to the
2: power well, and, of the and gospel And in our preaching, I mean, I, I basically grew up in my faith listening to preaching, which was mostly a list of moral virtues, Like, so it would unpack a text and say, this text says you're supposed to do this, you know, number one, number two, number three. And it never really talked about how the gospel was associated with those things. Yeah. It, it left me with the idea that each week I was supposed to do three more things. Mm-hmm. So in 52 yeah. weeks, I, I had like a, <laughs> a lot of, things of to stuff do. Yeah, yeah. that I was supposed to do. And that's what I thought it meant to be yeah. a Christian was just yeah. more effort, more trying. So no sense of a shift of my values, no, other than I value that list,
0: Mm, Yeah.
2: Right. Like I used to not value that, but but now I I have to value that list. But nothing about treasuring Christ in a way that as a result of who he is and what he's done and and getting that and treasuring that that it would transform my life. I, I had no concept of that.
1: Yeah. I think instead of believing that Jesus is what we need for all of life. I think of the way I kind of received it growing up was, wow, Jesus died on a cross for your sins. You're forgiven. You get to go to heaven when you die. So you better live the rest of this life proving you're grateful for that gift. And by the way, do that in your own effort, not through trust mm-hmm. in Jesus. And that's the message I received. Nobody said it that explicitly, but that's how it came across to me. And I'm, I know my friends, we talked about that obligation feeling in those teen years, and we couldn't figure out what was wrong but it felt wrong even back then.
2: Can you talk about that line I I've heard you use and I love it. It's kind of related to what you're saying that we live our life for Jesus. So the rest of my life I'm going to live my life for Jesus, do stuff for Jesus, but but missing that I get to do my life
1: with Jesus. Can't. Yeah, that's a, a huge that was a huge changing point in my entire life to recognize that you know, the way I was taught was Jesus did this for you, so now you need to do this for him. It's almost like a return, like I can pay him back, even though scripture clearly says I can't ever pay him back. But instead, I see the gospel now as an invitation that because of everything Jesus did for me, I get to live all of life and eternity with him. And that changes how we look at things. Uh, and And I really think that even godliness is a sense of it, the scripture understand, it communicates that as a well-directed reverence. In other words, mm-hmm. you're now living uh, as if God is really present with you in everything. And because of Jesus, you are able to live that way. You are able to live in the presence of God. The temple veil was torn in two. And now you can live all of your life with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit living in us. Mm-hmm. That's transformational. Yeah. One of the personal
0: conflicts that I've experienced in my life growing up around that, that same idea there is that growing up, I you know learned Christ in more of a do these things, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, to, uh, honor God, or if you do these things, you know, you'll, Jesus will love you more type mentality. But when, when you grow up learning those things, there's this conflict between then how you learned Christ Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how Jesus is revealing himself to be. Uh, and so you, you have to wrestle that through because it's, it's amazing how much. How we learned Christ influences our ability to step forward and to uh, enjoy the promises that he's given to us.
1: Yeah. And, and the, right. Our Alliance gospel, fourfold gospel speaks to that, right? That he is a. Uh, a part of all of our life, you know, what Paul said that he has become for us wisdom from God, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. So the the righteousness is our justification so that we are now accepted in the family of God, seen as righteous, considered righteous in God's sight. And of course, the other part of that, which we tend to hold on to, the redemption part, where we get to enter into the fullness of glory, the redemption of all creation, but he's also our sanctification, which covers all of this life here and now. So it's like he's our righteousness, our entrance into the family of God. And then he's our sanctification. He's our growth as children of God. Our, our, our transformation, to keep in line with our ultimate, our essential end here, our transformation as the children of God. Uh, and then we will experience the full redemption of that, where we'll leave all of sin, all of the brokenness, we'll behind and enter into the redemption of which creation Paul tells us is longing for, because it's going to be so awesome.
2: Yeah, to to increase our view of the gospel as central in our in our whole life transformation, we're we're in a sense uh, swimming upstream, like we're. Yeah. There, there's just been such history uh, and, and, and in some sense, rightly so. I mean, there's a pragmatic side of this that that the gospel that that rescues people from hell is a burning passion in us. And so it's just natural with that passion that we let, let's just give people what they need the most so that they don't have to live their selves, their lives, their, their eternity separate from Christ. That totally makes sense. But in our passion to emphasize that we can leave off some other things that are, are equally important, and then we can find ourselves falling into the trap of um, our continued growth in Christ is not a gospel thing at all. It's really a a works or it's an effort thing. So that's that's something we have to kind of swim against.
1: Yeah, and honestly, if I look back at my early ministry, you kind of made a confession here about some of your early ministry with those slips of paper. Uh, some of my early ministry, I I. I separated it from dependence on Jesus, inadvertently, certainly nowhere near intentionally, but I would hold on to John 10.10, 10, that Jesus said, I have come, that they may have life and have it abundantly, and so how do you do that? Well, then you live this, you live your life according to these principles of God's word, but not in dependence on Jesus. Now it's like, now you see that God's word is true, so you live your life, yet. but it's like you're living it on your own. If you follow these, then you can have the abundant life, rather than Somehow, I think, at times, not all the time, and again, not intentionally, but I misdirected a people away from trusting Jesus to responding to who Jesus is and what he has done for us, and just went and skipped over him and focused on the principles, and so it became a different kind of legalism. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was painful for me to acknowledge that that was part of my preaching early on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You guys have, uh, well, together we've highlighted some of the obstacles or things that might prevent us from having a gospel-based response. Let's let's shift to the other side. If we were to have a gospel-based response, what would be the things that look different in our lives? What would be the things that look different in our church or ministry?
2: One of my favorite um, sermons that I heard years ago, it was a, a Tim Keller sermon, and it was an overview of the book of Galatians. And um, and he said, if you want to understand Galatians and if you want to understand the gospel, it's three simple like um, patterns in your life. It's faith, freedom and love. So faith in the gospel always leads to freedom. So I think of um, what are the things in my life or what are the things in our church ministry that we simply are not free to do? that would be an expression of the gospel working itself out in love. What are those things? So I think of, um, um, you know, change is a a big thing that we think about in church ministry. Like, can we touch that? Like, um, That untouchable thing, that untouchable program in our church—the sacred cow, the sacred—can we touch that? And as a pastor, sometimes we immediately think, "How many people will I lose if I do that? Or if I preach on this? Like, if I preach on this, how many people? How many emails are am I going to get as a result of preaching that? And what we're experiencing is the hindrance of freedom. And even if Jesus Himself, like, is strongly pressing on our hearts to do certain things we find ourselves repeatedly lacking freedom what the gospel brings always is faith in the gospel always brings freedom which frees us up to 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 walk in love both loving Jesus well but loving loving our congregation well so i i think freedom would be a big thing that we would experience
1: yeah and it is freedom because we recognize that because of the blood of Jesus I love John, how John phrases it, right? You know, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It, it, it just, Jesus just takes it away from us. You know, there's freedom in that. When those those chains are lifted, they're gone from us. And that is such a visual to see that makes forgiveness so real. It's like he takes away the sin of the world. But he removes it.
2: I think there's freedom even of, um, you know, um, of a sense of being, I I hesitate to use the phrase of being worldly because we don't really like that word. Like we think of worldly as I don't go to movies or I don't, you know, I I don't smoke cigarettes and and please don't get me wrong. I don't think anybody out there should smoke cigarettes or anything like that. (laughs) But again, we as we can have a truncated view of the gospel, I think we can have a truncated view of worldliness. Worldliness really comes down to yes. that the conclusions about how life works is based on something other than what God says. It's, it's not gospel-based. And that my life is is lived primarily by what I possess, not what I hope in. And that I live my life loving more what God has given or created more than God himself. That's the essence of worldliness, but you know what? In the gospel, I can be free of that. I mean, how many yeah. churches are characterized by decisions that are made or conclusions of, of, of what's going on are made not based on what God really says and, and and that we live our life not really in gospel hope or in really in a, a love for the glory of God. We live in something that's too small because we've been influenced by the world around us. I mean, it would be wonderful to be set free from that. And the gospel is what sets us free from that.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, we're all looking forward to having Jeff Vanderstelt come to our district conference this fall. It's going to be exciting. And one of the things that he says that is important for us to do for one another, not just the pastors to do, but for believers to do with one another, is to remind them that Jesus is better. Mm, yeah. You know, whatever we we're trying to get life out of or looking to for security, are you fill in the blank? Jesus is better than that. So the question is, I think we all, often often ask is. Like to say we're struggling with maybe losing our job, you know. But we can ask the question: Well, how is Jesus better than having a stable job? I mean, He is better than that. Yeah. And, and and to honestly ask that is it's a big deal.
0: And that's one of the challenging things about that response is it requires a letting go and an embracing mm-hmm. of the yes. truth of Jesus. But the reality is, is sometimes we are, we are happier with our our truncated freedom because we know it mm. than we are with the sometimes what it feels like the unknown freedom yes. of Jesus. Yep, you're so right. we'd rather hold on to what we, you know, this little bit of freedom that we have really, you know, cause real freedom is letting go of that sense of, you know, if I keep looking at the number of people that come to my church on a weekly basis and allow myself to be live in response to that. All right. There's a, a, a level of freedom in that, that while small, I understand. Whereas if I let go of that to pursue a gospel-based response and following Christ, I'm getting free from the fear of that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But I, it's hard to know what that freedom is going to feel like on the other side. So we're not always willing to let go of what we know or feel like we know for the unknown. Mm
1: -hmm. I was just talking to uh, one of our brothers in pastoral ministry, not in our district uh, this week. And he had made a transition a few years ago and He was in a church that he was really felt shackled in, but he was financially okay. And now he's gone to a church where he has a whole lot of freedom to minister, but the finances are not that stable right now. But he says, God keeps providing. And I'm discovering that as I get to trust Jesus to provide our needs, like I'm freer than ever than I was in an area where I had all my financial needs met. So what he was saying is he's found that Jesus is better than financial stability and, and that to me, I was encouraged just by hearing him tell
2: me that story. I think that when our congregations get, and I think there is a kind of like this aha moment where you start to, to recognize the gospel is for all of life and that I can live my everyday life in response to the gospel. When the church starts to get that, it will come out of our mouth. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll have a direct impact on evangelism because, yes. um, Rather than our only evangelistic message being um, you don't have to go to hell and you can go to heaven and Jesus paid for your sins, which is a wonderful gospel message. It is. But a lot of our culture is not really attuned to that message. Mm -mm. When we start to talk about how the gospel is transforming us in our everyday life, in the things that are important to us, it'll come out of our mouth and people around us will start to say, You mean Jesus does that? Like Jesus really does change you in the way that you used to fear your wife and and what she would say would have too much power in your life. And you would, you would crumble when you really knew you had to bring some kind of leadership in your marriage, but you were so afraid of her that you couldn't, you didn't have the freedom to follow Jesus in leading your home and your neighbors will get to know that and see your marriage different. It will open up so many gospel conversations with lost people around us. Yeah.
0: and that really gets to the heart of what that response is it's an part of that is an admission
1: that we are not our own yeah. that we yeah. have been bought Whew. with the price and we don't like that at first glance usually you know i mean that's hard for us to embrace yeah but we, but there's joy in that embracing when we actually say, yes, I have been bought with a price.
2: I think that this will transform our preaching as well. I think our yeah. preaching will look absolutely different when we see the centrality of the gospel for wholehearted transformation because uh, our preaching will not be... Primarily, a list of moral rules that people have to try to attempt to follow. Yeah, we'll be calling for that yeah. response. Yeah, but yeah. we'll be calling people to Jesus. Amen. To a real person. And I think also in the way that we preach, I think as preachers we can be a lot more honest when we know that our own sense of justification or our own sense of security is not based on us having a mask on or presenting ourselves really well, like we will be able to lead out of vulnerability because the gospel is taking root in our life Mm -hmm. and it'll transform our church. I mean, how many of us would say that our church is made up of pretenders? I mean, people that know they have to look a certain way when they walk into church, maybe even dress a certain way when they walk into church. And outsiders look at that and say, yeah, one, I don't know if you people are real and if you are, I could never be like you. But, But when the gospel starts to take root, it will transform Form, the way we talk, the honesty that we have, the vulnerability that we have, and I think it'll be a draw to people that uh, that need Jesus. Yeah,
0: yeah. We we've been touching on some really deep things uh, yeah. in this episode, and you can, you can kind of sense the very heart nature, the personal nature uh, of of what we're getting at here. And so, as we're walking away from this conversation, what are some of the questions that? that we're gonna have to process to consider how we're responding in our lives? What are what are some of those things that come to mind and say, these are the things you wanna ask yourself as you process your own gospel-based response?
2: I think uh, for a number of people that engage in this, I, I know, um, I mean, I've, I've talked to people for years about the gospel being for all of life. Not It's a present tense gospel, not just a, an event in the past. And repeatedly, I found people say, "But Nate, I don't get that. Like the way I viewed the gospel is just different than how you present the gospel." So, um, if people want to grow in this, they're going to start to ask, have to ask themselves the question: How do I view the gospel? Um, and if I want to grow in understanding the gospel, where do I go mm-hmm. to to get growth in the gospel? Um, advertisement for our district conference like like come over the next 2 years and hear how some great speakers are going to be unpacking the gospel for us.
1: Yes they are. I'm so excited about the next 2 years. Uh, and I to me, you know, you saw where do you go? I think it's a, a great place to start is just by actually starting to make a list of all the promises about who Jesus is and what he's done for us and start to say Am I living my life like these promises are true? Mm -hmm. You know, so Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. That's a promise about who he is. That's the good news that Jesus is. That's part of the big part of the good news that Jesus is Lord. What does it really look for me like to live that way? Not just Lord over my life, which he certainly is, but Lord over all creation. There's not a single square inch where he's not Lord. What does it look like to live? Wow believing that he is Lord. Yeah.
0: And I think about that in the context of like family and, you know, church or, you know, however your church is set up in small group or Sunday school, wherever those things are. Like, is there, is there space within those, those things within your family or all of that for uh, you to practice a gospel based response? Because I think the sometimes the the pieces as well, I, I gotta have it all figured out or I have to know exactly how the gospel plays into all these different areas or otherwise it won't work or whatever. And really part of this is is allow is giving space within the rhythms or habits of your life to have these kinds of conversations. Yeah. And to invite people into that and to allow it to be a little awkward. Or to allow it to carry over even between multiple times where you say, you know, I'm just not really, I'm not a hundred percent sure that's the response that we're to have right now. Let's, let's seek the scriptures on that. Let's, let's work through that together or let's ask the hard questions. Uh, But is there space for that within the context of your family or church?
2: Yeah. And eventually you're going to be getting into questions like what is functionally ruling my life? Mm. Like what? what what functionally am I in response to? And is it really in response to Jesus or is it in response to something else? And I know that that can sound kind of nerdy to even the way that you phrase that question, but really what it comes down to is like pay attention to the rise and fall of your heart. Like what do you get super pumped about? What do you get super depressed about? Like what are yeah. the things that mm-hmm. like have a yeah. grip on your heart and you go, wow, I'm like, I'm really in response to that. I mean, is simple as why was I so into my football team mm, like yeah, yeah. why did I so identify with my football team that if they were losing I felt like a loser yeah and if they were winning I felt like Lord, somehow I was seen. on that team like wait a second is that but but I mean that's a kind of a silly one and the Eagles really aren't that good
0: <laughs> <laughs> preach
2: <laughs> but again, like,
0: how come, like, Wait, but why is your emotion so tied to it? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah exactly. But, but
2: like how about church attendance? How about like yeah. when we, yeah. like a lot of this podcast comes out of what we've experienced walking with pastors during COVID. And, and as things were really being dismantled in the life of our church, what was functionally ruling the rise and fall of my heart in that? And how much was it based on Jesus is Lord or how much was it based on, I've got to make this thing happen or else I'm going to lose my job. I mean, those are the kinds of things that we have to find a way to have those conversations to see, like, what am I living in response to and, and where does the gospel fit into that?
0: Yeah. And it's always hard to figure that out, right? It I mean, is. even though we you know we we know from Scripture, you know, in Luke, Jesus says that, you know, whatever is in the heart is, is what comes out of the mouth. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing there. But but figuring out what's actually in there is one of the most difficult parts of this response because it's it's messy it's it's not always just right. Clear cut, like this is my response, this is Jesus' response, right. now I change. It's right, just not right, that easy.
2: Right. Yeah, because it, it goes a lot more to the heart. That's why I like Vanderstel's phrases, gospel fluency. Like anytime that someone's going to learn a language, they're going to feel really awkward when they're first using that language. Or
0: using the wrong words. Or using and- the wrong words. So <laughs> yeah. as you
2: move down the path of really understanding the gospel for all of life, there is a fluency that comes in. Not that we shine and that we, you know, we're, we're, we're worried about saying the right words, but there is a sense of becoming familiar with the gospel at work in our life
1: but i think you know going on that fluency thing and we're going to unpack that more in future episodes a little bit too but there is a sense that i mean i spent a close to half of my ministry before really thinking that the gospel is bigger than i thought it was and when i first it was awkward and i think i was clumsy in trying to even explain it in a conversation like this when i started to explore that but again the more i do it the more i start to see it more clearly and communicate it more clearly so it is about just just start talking about it and having those questions how is jesus better than what you are trusting in
2: and and we're not talking about something that is non-alliance no, i mean one not. this is this is the bible and we are yeah. rooted in god's word but we're we're talking about what does it mean that i view jesus as my savior like not not just to rescue me from hell but every area of my life, he's, he's my, he's my covering. He's got my back. He's my savior. He, he's the one that I lean in to give me a sense of security. And, uh, but he's also my sanctifier. He's the one that changes me and he's my healer. He's the one that's restoring my life mm-hmm. and he's my coming King. He's the one that gives me hope for my future. I mean, it's, it's really seeing the gospel touching every area of my life. I think one of the questions that people will have to ask is how does this impact our church programming? Like, where are people really learning the gospel in our church? Mm-hmm. And where are we talking about people being transformed by the gospel? Like, what does that even look like? I think it affects our children's ministry. Are we oh, yeah. are we just mm-hmm. doing children's ministry that's giving the moral of the story and giving kids yeah. a list of stuff to do? Or are they really learning to see who Jesus is for every area of life? Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and again, I hope that those listening take this as an invitation to be a part of this conversation. Because even as you just heard that sometimes it can feel clunky at first, Mm -hmm. or it can feel like, you know, do we really need to talk about these things? Uh, But being a part of these conversations is helpful to fleshing this out with both personally and then within the context of the local church. Mm -hmm. So in our time together uh, for today, uh, as we wrap this up, we've spent our time talking about Uh, the centrality of a gospel-based response to whole heart transformation. And we recognize it with such a deep heart conversation that we've really only scratched the surface. And so again, like all of these, we hope that this leads you into have more conversation either with with us uh, in the district or with other pastors and workers around you or those within your church. And so we would encourage you uh, to take this podcast, to share it with others, and invite them to be a part of the conversation with you. Uh, If you're looking for help with that, Again, want to invite you to visit our website, epdalliance.org essentials. Uh, and there you'll find some discussion questions and other resources to help you uh, dig deeper into this or things that might lead to some more conversation around a gospel-based response. Uh, we recognize that these are hard questions to ask and deep questions to ask. Uh, and so we'd encourage you uh, to make space uh, for these along the way. Well, this is our third episode of The Essentials. In our fourth episode, we're gonna be switching from the talking about the essential end to what are the essential means to that end. And you heard a little bit, we'll talk about uh, gospel fluency uh, in, in terms of uh, the community and mission and leadership and what do those things look like, we'll get into that. But we're gonna move from the ends to the means by asking how does the church pursue the essential end of whole heart transformation with a gospel-based response? How does that inform uh, our church ministry, our leadership, all of those things? And so we'll be discussing uh, how the essentials change uh, even the structures of your church.
1: Can't wait for that conversation.
0: So we're so glad that you have been able to be a part of this with us, and we look forward to you joining us next time. Thank you for listening to The Essentials. To join in our conversation, please visit epdalliance.org slash essentials to find discussion questions for your church and more content related to increasing gospel impact. We hope you will join us for our next episode.